been known, I might have picked something different to wear. Uh, hey, my wife and I have been a part of Genesis for almost 20 years. It'll be 20 years in May, I think. And I remember early in our Genesis life, it was probably 2004, maybe 2005, uh, we had just started a new connection group. Um, we, we say we've had the same group uh, since we've started here, just different people in it. We've kind of met on Friday nights for a long time, as long as I can remember. But we had just started a new uh, connection group and it was about nine o'clock one evening. It wasn't a Friday night, it was a weeknight. We were sitting in our living room watching TV and uh, there was a, a doorbell rang. And even back then before uh, smartphones, that was weird. It, people didn't just show up at your door, especially at night, it was pouring down rain. And uh, we didn't know what to do, so we opened the door. And standing there in the doorway was this woman who was a part of our small group, and she was crying. She was standing there in the rain. Uh, makeup was running down her face. Uh, at the time, this woman was separated from her husband. She had just gotten some bad news. And after we calmed her down and found out what was going on, we said, why did you decide to come here? Like, why did you decide to come to us? We're... Uh, we had just recently kind of started this relationship with her in our group. And, um, you know, she said, I didn't know where else to go. So to her, like her group was her family. When she got bad news, she was going to come to her connection group. That was, that was her family. Now, fast forward about 17 years, 16 years, and it's March of 2020. And uh, we're at the very beginning of the COVID-19 epidemic. And... Uh, it's Friday night, it's small group night, but we're on a lockdown order. We haven't been around people for a few weeks. We haven't been at church. We decide to do a Zoom call with our group. And uh, at that time, that was pretty novel, right? To get together via Zoom. Now we're all tired of it, but then that was pretty novel. In fact, we sat together with our group and we laughed and we talked and we prayed for one another. And we went so long that the 40 minutes expired and we had to start a new call and do that. But uh, at the time when we were not allowed to be around people, we were not able to be in close communication, close contact with people, that community, that fresh drink of water that community offered, even through a computer screen, uh, was so refreshing to our souls. Here's the truth I want to talk about today. We were never meant to live Christian life alone. And in case you're joining us for the first time, we're in the middle of a series we called Reset. So much has happened over the past three years from a global pandemic to war in Ukraine to tensions over race relations. And uh, so many things have happened in our lives, um, a controversial election, and uh, they've caused us to rethink our priorities and kind of reassign our time. This is something I've noticed as we've come back at 2022 and now in 2023, is that everybody's made, we've all made decisions on what's important and what we need to do with our time. But the truth is that even though the circumstances around us have changed over the past three years, the things that we're called to as followers of Jesus haven't changed. And so what we're doing in this reset series is really just looking at how does our new reality affect the truths of what we're supposed to be doing and when we are supposed to be making disciples for Jesus who make disciples for Jesus. How does that new reality affect that truth? So week one, we talked about our mission. The mission of Genesis Church is helping people find their way back to God. Uh, this comes from 2 Corinthians 5. The apostle Paul is writing to the church in Corinth and he says this. He says, so we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. 
come back to God. That's the implication there. And so our mission statement from the very beginning of Genesis Church, 20 years, it'd be 20 years this year, our mission statement has been helping people find their way back to God. But we said over the past two weeks, that can't be our church's mission statement if it's not your mission statement. Because you are the church, right? You, the people that make up the church are what is the church. And so if it's not all of our mission statement, then it won't be successful at being Genesis' mission statement, helping people find their way back to God. And then last week, we hit reset by talking about our vision. Our vision at Genesis Church is to become a disciple-making church. And this vision comes directly from the words of Jesus. After his death and resurrection, he gathered with some of his closest followers on a mountain outside of Jerusalem. He gave them this command, Matthew 28, 18, and 19. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority on, in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> and if you've been around church for a while, you may know this is commonly known as the Great Commission. We like to call it the everyday commission, that there's not something, it's not something that's so great that you can't do it, that I can't do it. It's a kind of an everyday commission. And so we talked last week when we looked at this vision, we talked about how a tree goes through various stages in its growth. It starts as a simple seed and uh, then it becomes a sapling and then a tree and then a full-grown tree that bears fruit. And we gave names to each of those stages on our personal walk with Jesus that we're a seeker or a follower or a kingdom worker or a disciple maker. And uh, we said if, that we, we uh, had steps to take uh, no matter uh, where you are on this growth pattern. If you want to take a step to go to the next uh, stage of life, you can do that. If you missed that message, you can check it out on our podcast, whether you have an uh, iPhone or an Android. It's available on the, on the podcast app there, or you can go to our YouTube channel. You can check out the Carmel feed. You can watch it on video there. But I want to encourage you to do that because it's really critical to what we're going to do for the rest of the year. Um, but while disciple-making is the call for us as a church and it's the call for each of us individually, like I said, our faith was never meant to be lived out alone. And so even from the very beginning of Christianity, we see that there's a group of believers that gather together, this church, uh, for people to be connected to. We see it in Acts chapter 2, chapter 1 and 2. So if you've got your Bibles, you might open them there, Acts chapter 2. Uh, let me set the stage for what we're about to read here. After his death and resurrection, again, Jesus appeared to his followers. He walked around the earth for 40 days. He appeared to his followers several times, including what we just talked about in Matthew 28. But then in Acts chapter 1, it's recorded that Jesus appeared for the last time, right before he ascended into heaven. And uh, he says this, Acts 1.8. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so as you hear in Jesus's words, there's no doubt that his followers are supposed to be out in the world, right? They're gonna be a light to the world. They're gonna be witnesses. They're gonna start in Jerusalem and Judea, but they're gonna to go to Samaria and the ends of the earth. He's basically sending them out. He says, you're gonna go and you're gonna take this message to everybody who hasn't heard it yet. And so what do they do next? Well, this is what we see in Acts 1.14. Uh, Jesus says, go out and be my, uh, my messengers, go out and be my witnesses. And then in Acts 1.14, so they all joined together constantly in prayer. Uh, they came back together. And then in Acts 2.1, we see this, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And then in Acts 2.46, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together. And you read this and you go, wait, Jesus said to go out and you keep coming back in. <laughs> 
Like Jesus said, you're going to be scattered, but they kept gathering. Do you notice that? It's like they're supposed to go out and be the light to the world, but instead they keep coming back together. Why is that? Well, I think if your goal is advancing the kingdom of God, the truth was that they needed each other. They needed one another. See, what we see in the very first church is the same thing we need to emulate in the 21st century church. And it's this, that believers gather together to worship, to be equipped and encouraged, and then they scatter to be the light of the world. Now at Genesis, our method for doing that, for gathering together, for getting into community, for uh, getting people to be a part of this church body is something that we've called the pathway. And this is not something that we just came up with. Instead, this is something that we've derived from studying the life of Jesus. It's based on those four calls we talked about last week. But while those four calls are for individuals who want to become disciple makers, and that can happen anywhere, the pathway is more about how you get connected to a church family here at Genesis. Now, before we talk about this pathway, I said that we've derived it. I want to show you that... um, there were some principles that we had in place before we came up with this pathway. It's things that we stuck to as we were discovering it. Now, the first principle is this. We wanted Jesus to be our model for life and ministry. Uh, in his incarnate form, as Jesus walked the earth, he was fully man, fully human. And what that means is that all of the resources that were available to him are available to you and me today. Okay, so that was one kind of guiding principle. The second was we believe that Jesus initiated a movement of multiplying disciples and churches. That movement has continued for 2,000 years and the mantle has been passed to us. You know, the, the church we inherited, we got because there were some faithful men and women who walked before us. And there were some faithful men and women that, women that walked before them. And then it goes all the way back 2,000 years. But the church that we leave for our kids and our grandkids will be based on what we do with it, right? And so there's this, this pattern of passing this movement of multiplying disciples and churches down from generation to generation. And now here we are 2,000 years later and it's still happening. Uh, the third principle is that Jesus promises that those who abide in him will bear much fruit. This is an encouraging promise. He says that everything of value that flows from you is going to come from having a close relationship with Jesus, that we need to abide in him. We need to remain in him, as we talked about last week. The fourth principle is that Jesus invites all Christ followers to invest in a few. God has given each of us a relational network of people, a circle of influence to make disciples. What could we see God do if all of us who are following Jesus were committed to just investing in one or two people around us? and trying to duplicate our life and what God has done for us in their life. And then the fifth principle is this, that uh, Jesus's church is a family on mission together. We are brothers and sisters in Christ, united by adoption by our heavenly father into his family. And so even if you have a broken home, if you come from a broken family, or if you come from a really great family that taught you all about Jesus and that's still together, uh, we have a family here in the church. We saw it with this woman that showed up on our front porch one night. We see it with our group that got together on Zoom and was so glad to be together, even if it was just on a computer, that we are a family together. We live in close relationship with one another. There are over uh, 40 one another's in the New Testaments of how believers are supposed to treat one another. We care for one another. We pray for one another. We serve for one another and more. We want to be that family on mission together at Genesis Church. And we want to reach our world for Jesus, rescuing those who are lost and looking for a savior. 
And so that's our, here's our pathway from, from those five guiding principles. Here's the pathway that we discovered, four simple steps, which we believe is God's mission for us as a church and for those who call Genesis Church your home. Uh, number one is to connect. We connect in community. Uh, we believe it's really important. Justin said this uh, before you guys shook hands with one another. We wanna see everybody connect in community and develop a few close friendships Uh, with your church family. Number two is to encounter Jesus. We wanna see everyone encounter the living Jesus and and then eventually make a decision to trust him as Lord and Savior and be baptized and start moving towards step number three, which is to follow Jesus. Um, You know, we talk about, we wanna see every believer start to follow Jesus and make him the Lord of their life, which means that he's guiding our steps, that he's telling us what to do, uh, get, get a close personal relationship with God. And then four is multiply a few. We wanna see every believer start to multiply their influence into the people around them and investing in a few individuals. Now, when it comes to this pathway, everybody is at a different place on this or a different stage, but regardless of where you find yourself, we wanna help you take that next step Uh, to move yourself along the pathway uh, so that you can move along in your journey with Jesus. And so uh, we're gonna talk through them one by one this morning. And as we do, I just wanna encourage you to do a couple things. One, try to find yourself. Find yourself on the pathway. Think that's the step I think I'm at. And as you do that, I'm gonna give you a couple of next steps of how you can move along the pathway. Notice it's called a pathway, not a driveway. Okay, we're not supposed to park there. We're supposed to keep walking. We walk down the path. We take that next step. And so uh, I want to help you do that. So look for that next step that maybe you're supposed to take. I I hope that everybody in this room comes away with one next step of the thing you're going to do to keep moving along on your journey with Jesus. All right? So let's look at the first step. First step, number one, is to connect in community. Uh, Last week, we saw Jesus call his first five disciples, uh, John, Simon, and Andrew. Simon became, we come to know him as Peter, and then Philip and Nathaniel. Uh, And what we see is the first thing he did was he took them on some road trips. He walked with them up to Cana where they had a wedding. You may remember that great wedding where they had the really good wine there. Uh, And then they went to Capernaum. They both, uh, he's going on trips with them. He's spending time with them. This is what the Bible says in John 3.22. After this, Jesus and his disciples went out into the Judean countryside where he spent some time with them and baptized and that phrase, spent some time, is the, it comes from the Greek word called diatribo, diatribo. That's the Greek word right there. And that means to rub off on or to get under the skin of, to get through to. It's almost like Jesus was taking his influence and trying to put it on these disciples, right? He's, he's trying to rub some of his character, some of his priorities, some of his influence off on his disciples, Jesus made time to connect and bond with his disciples so that, one, so that they could learn to be friends, so that they would have a common connection. And throughout his ministry, we see Jesus spending time with lots of different kinds of people. But what we see is he always made it a priority to be around his closest friends, to spend more time with a few than time with the many. But uh, most importantly, he spent a majority of his time with those few friends that became disciples. He created a, a strong community among them. And when you study the life of Jesus closely, what you'll notice is there's a clear pattern that emerges. And it's this, even Jesus needed close, meaningful relationships. And so if Jesus, who was by very nature God, needed close relationships with other people, how much more do we need to have close relationships in our life? How can we expect anything different? 
And so at Genesis, our hope and our prayer is that you would get connected relationally to our church family. Uh, God intends for the church to be a family on mission together. And here at Genesis, there are a number of ways that you can meet people and develop friendships here at Genesis. First of all, Paul mentioned it a minute ago. Uh, I wanna invite you, if you haven't yet, to attend Intro to Genesis. This is a one-hour lunch that we hold after our second service. We do it once a month and you'll get to meet our staff. You get to hear a little bit about what we do and why we do it, why we don't do some of the things we don't do. Uh, you'll get to meet some other new people as well. You'll get to get a little peek behind the scenes. We're gonna take you on a tour of our fabulous building, which is so great and glorious. And as some of you have been here for a while know. Uh, but again, we do this once a month and the next one is happening as soon as we're done here in the garage next door. And so if you wanna be a part of that, I just wanna encourage you to just come over there. We've got food for you. We've got childcare for you. Uh, we'd love to walk you through kind of what we do as a church and answer any questions you may have. Now, I know many of you are not in that boat. You've been here for a while. And if you've been here for a while and still haven't gotten connected, I wanna give you a couple of other steps. Uh, number one is to pray. And what you'll notice as we go through these four steps is prayer is gonna be a common theme in these four steps. But I want you to pray that God would bring a church family to you. And I'm not just talking about the people in this room. This is important, right? We get together here on Sundays. We, we gather to be equipped and encouraged and to worship together, as I said. But chances are, you don't know everybody in this room. You may not even know anybody in this room or not a, just maybe a few people, but maybe the Lord wants to bring two or three people around you to kind of be your church family. Or maybe you're here for a while and you realize that Genesis really isn't the place for you. That's okay. I want you to know there are a lot of really good churches in Hamilton County and we'd love to help you get connected and find the right one. We think it's really important that you pray that the Lord would bring a church family to you. The other step is to join a connection group. These are small groups usually of six to 20 adults who meet to, on, on a regular basis to study God's word, to, to care for one another, to be on mission together, um, to worship together. And the idea is for each of these groups to be kind of like little churches, that they're replicating what was happening in Acts chapter two. What were they doing? They were breaking bread, they were praying together, they were worshiping together, and they were basically doing life together. And we've got some new groups forming and starting the week of January 29th. If you want to go to our website, genesischurch.me slash groups, you can find them there and you'll see all of the new groups and open groups that are starting. So that's number one, connecting community. Relationships are important. Relationships are great, but it can't stop there, right? We can't just stop with coming to a place like this and forming some friendships because the truth is you can find community in a lot of places. Now, many of you have a great community of people at work. You love your coworkers. You guys hang out on the weekends. You hang out in your spare time. You've got a community of people that you work with that you would consider close friends. That's awesome. Some of you find community at your gym. You know, you go and you do a CrossFit workout together, man, you do Murph together, and all of a sudden you have been through the battle, right? You're gonna love those people for the rest of your life. I, I don't know what's gonna happen the rest of your life, but you're always gonna remember that day that you did that workout together, and you find community there. That's awesome. You know, you can find community in a lot of places. Maybe you play games on a regular basis. You do board games, or you play Magic the Gathering or something, and those people, like, you just know that if you had a problem, you would call one of those people, and they would be right there for you. That's great. Community is really important. But at Genesis, we believe it's important to have community centered around Christ. And so step two on our pathway is to encounter Jesus. We want to see everybody that's here at some point in their journey encounter the living Jesus because we believe that it's through his grace alone by faith in Jesus that we are saved from death, that we're given forgiveness of sin, 
and that we've been given eternal life in heaven. See, the Bible teaches this story that God created a world for people to live in. He created it to be perfect. But that when he put men and women in the world, that we decided to go our own way. The Bible calls that sin, but that we turned our back on God and walked away and kind of did our own thing. And that broke this perfect world. And that you and I, we recognize that we're living in a broken world because all we have to do is turn on the news and see what's going on around us, right? All we have to do is pick up our phone and talk to our friend and hear what's going on in their life. All we have to do is look and see the brokenness that's in our neighborhood or in our apartment complex or at our workplace. And we know that this world is just, it's not how it's supposed to be. And for some of us, we feel that very deeply and we all try to do some things to escape this broken world or to numb the pain. So some of us turn to drugs or alcohol to try to numb that pain. Some of us turn to sex or relationships or pornography to try to escape that pain. Some of us turn to achievement. We think we can like win our way out of the pain that if we just had enough money, enough success, if enough people were looking at us or, or liking our posts on Instagram or following us on TikTok that we would be out of that brokenness. But the truth is there's nothing that we can do to escape the broken world. But fortunately, God looked down and he saw the brokenness and he had a plan. And the plan was that he sent his one and only son, Jesus, to the earth. And Jesus came to earth as a baby. We celebrated that at Christmas. And he grew up and he grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. And he became a man and he lived a sinless life. And then he died an atoning death on the cross. He died a death that paid for the sins that I've had, that you've had, that you will have, and that I will have. But then he didn't stay dead because on the third day, God raised him from the grave to show that he can overcome anything that's happening in your life. No matter how bad you think it is, God can overcome that. If he can overcome death, if he can defeat death, he can defeat whatever's going on in your life. And that all we have to do is decide to follow this living Jesus, this raised from the dead Jesus, this resurrected Jesus. If we follow him, then we get the chance to be the children of God. We're adopted into his family and we can start a new life with Jesus as our Lord. And so, but to do that, we have to encounter Jesus first, right? We have to know who he is. We have to hear about him and what he's done for us. And that good news that God wants to rescue us from this broken world, from this darkness, um, it provides a way out of our sin and brokenness. And that's good news. Now, if you're here and you're just beginning to encounter Jesus, I wanna give you a few steps. What are your next steps? Well, first is to pray, right? You may not be certain what you believe about God or maybe you're here and you think, no, no, I know that God is real, but I don't know how Jesus fits into this whole thing. Here's what I wanna encourage you to do. I want you to pray this prayer this week. Maybe once a week, once a day, every day this week, pray this prayer and it goes like this. God, if you're real, would you make yourself real to me? If you're real, make yourself real to me. That's a really simple prayer. But if you pray that every day, I promise the Lord will reveal himself to you in ways that you never expected. The second step is to study the Bible, study God's word. Uh, one of the best ways to do that is to join us here. We're going to study through the book of Acts together starting in February. We're going to read it together, and then we'll get together on Sundays. We'll talk about it. Um, also, you may consider joining a connection group, but one group in particular, if you're just starting to encounter Jesus, if you don't know what you believe or you're brand new to your faith, I especially want to encourage you to join our Alpha group. Now, Alpha is a place that encourages honest conversation about God. It's a place for people who are just discovering their faith. And we've got a group that's starting uh, the, 
uh, I think the first week of February. It's a little bit later than our other groups, but there's information on our website. Again, if you go to our groups page, genesischurch.me groups, you'll find the alpha group there. And um, what a great place to have some honest conversation about God and uh, walk with other people who are kind of asking the same questions that you are. Now, there's one more step. Once you put your faith in Jesus, we would encourage you to attend our baptism class. We do baptisms four or five times a year here at Genesis. I think our next one will be on Easter Sunday. And we usually do a class one or two weeks right before that happens where we talk about what it means to be baptized, what it means to follow Jesus, and we can answer any questions you have about baptism. So that's coming up. Keep your eyes open for that. So last week we looked at Jesus' first five disciples and we saw how after he challenged them to come and see as they encountered him, right? The next challenge he gave to them was follow me. And that's where our, first, our third phase, third step on the pathway comes from. And it's simply to follow Jesus. In John 15, five, Jesus said, we grow in relationship with God by learning to stay relationally connected to Jesus. He calls it abiding in him or remaining in him. Uh, we can stay connected to Jesus by following his living leadership and his life example. And here at Genesis, our prayer is that you would, once you encounter Jesus, you would learn to follow him by developing a close uh, personal relationship with God. Because life with Jesus doesn't just offer you eternal life after you die. What I've seen, what I've experienced, what we believe is that when you follow Jesus, your eternal life starts now that walking with Jesus gives you tools, it equips you to have a better life here on earth even before you die. And so it's really important that we follow him and, and listen to what he has to say and let him speak into our life. And I'm just so encouraged to see when people come to faith here at Genesis and their life changes because of it. Uh, I get the privilege as a pastor to do a lot of weddings and funerals. I gotta tell you, they're both really privileges to be asked to do them. Weddings are more fun. I'm just going to give you that straight up. Weddings are more fun unless a couple gets married standing in their own graves, and then it's not as much fun, but that's a different, that's a different sitcom. Um, but I love doing weddings, and I love being able to meet with couples before they get married. I get to know them a little bit. I get to, uh, I get to meet, hear about their families. I get to know where they came from. Um, I get to talk to them a little bit about Jesus and how Jesus can influence their marriage. But I'm always a little nervous when I meet with a couple that's already living together because I know that the topic is gonna to come up and we're gonna to have to address the topic of premarital sex and what it means to really follow God's plan for your wedding. So I've got this whole speech that I've developed about how it's, how it's better for you. And the whole world knows this. If you read secular publications that couples that live together before marriage, they don't last as long as couples that uh, wait until they're married to live together. And then we, we talk about some passages from the Bible and I'll tell you about how uh, Hebrews 13 says that the marriage bed should be kept pure. And then we'll talk about what it means to make a decision now to be pure until your wedding, to separate physically until your wedding. And so I'm all hyped up. I have this couple this week that wants me to do their wedding. And I was a little nervous about having this conversation because I knew they were already living together and it's gonna come up and I'm gonna have to bring it up. And so I kind of awkwardly tiptoe around it and I, I, I say it in the moment. I say, if you want me to do your wedding, here's something I'm going to ask you. I'm gonna ask you to physically separate between now and the wedding. And I start to go through all the reasons. I said, oh, we've already made that decision. So what do you mean? Well, we were talking uh, a few weeks ago and um, you know, we just decided, we were reading this book and we just decided, hey, maybe we shouldn't have sex again before we were married. 
And uh, I said, well, tell me more about that. And they just talked about coming to Genesis. They've come to Genesis in the last year. And um, even though they both grew up in church, it was the first time that they really heard about how Jesus can make their life better and uh, about how they should be following him and, and that they can have a personal relationship. And they heard the gospel for the first time. And now he wants to be baptized. And they said, well, you know, because all of this was happening in our life, we just decided that, that we're going to separate until our wedding day. I was like, I love it when the Holy Spirit makes my job easier by speaking into people's lives. But their life is being changed because they've decided to follow Jesus and he's making their life better even here on earth before they inherit eternal life in heaven. You see, <laughs> following Jesus means that we are making a priority of spending time connecting with him every day. As we talked about last week in John 15, the invitation is to, spend, is to abide in him. It's to spend time in his word, to spend time in prayer, to spend time in worship. And if you hear that and think, man, that sounds good, Steve, but I barely have enough time to do what I have to get done. How am I supposed to find time to do this stuff that might be fun and good and might help me in my life? And let me just ask you this. If you want to spend eternity in heaven with Christ, don't you think you should spend maybe 15 to 30 minutes a day with him now? If you find yourself on this step of the pathway, you're following Jesus, uh, here are some steps for you. Number one is to pray, right? To develop a pattern of spending time alone with God in the Bible and in prayer. Uh, consider using some helpful tools such as the SOAP study method. You know, we've talked about that several times in the past. You can probably find one of our podcasts on SOAPs. Uh, we may have a piece at the Info Hub still about that from, left from last year. Um, but spend time in his word and spend time in, his pray, in prayer and pray that the Lord would reveal himself to you. Uh, number two is to join a connection group. Again, if you're, if, if you're following Jesus and you're not in a group, uh, you are missing probably our best tool that we have to help people, help you get relationally connected to Jesus and to start following him uh, with a group of community of people who are trying to do the same. The third step for you, if you're following Jesus and you want to know where to go next, is to join a ministry team. Uh, we've got a lot of teams here at Genesis Church that happen every Sunday morning. We have some that uh, work during the week as well, but every Sunday morning, I don't know if you see this, and especially if you haven't been around church for a while, you may not know this, but it takes 50 to 60 volunteers every Sunday to make this place happen, to make what you get to experience. We've got uh, people... Uh, who are teaching your kids right now, if you've got kids. We got people who greeted you on the way in. We got people who were here before you ever woke up this morning to come in and make coffee for you and to cut up bagels for you and to have a hosp uh, hospitality gift to give to you when you got here. We've got this team up here that came and practiced their music all week and that came here early along with the guys in the tech booth to be ready to produce this service. We've got 50 to 60 people every Sunday and most of them don't serve every week. And so we've got twice that, we need twice that many people. And so if you wanna join a ministry team, there are lots of ways that uh, we can use your gifts here. And many people have told me that they've met their best friends at Genesis because they serve on a team together. And so if you wanna connect in community and follow Jesus, that's another step for you. Now, this is where a lot of churches stop, okay? Our goal as a church is to find non-believers, to bring them into our church, to get them to follow Jesus, get them baptized, and then good luck, you're on your own, all right? We're gonna go find somebody else to invest in. But here at Genesis, we don't think that's the last step. 
Because when we look at the life of Jesus, what we see is that once these guys started following him, guys and women, that wasn't their last step either. Jesus was going to teach them one more thing. And uh, our hope and our prayer is that when you're ready, you would be equipped to invest your life into a few individuals. This is the fourth step on the pathway. We call it multiply a few. We want to multiply your influence into a few people. In Matthew 4.18, about a year and a half into his ministry, Jesus extended this challenge to his disciples. I'm sorry, Matthew 4.19. He says, follow me and I will send you out to fish for people. Now, Jesus began training his disciples, uh, helping them reach their circle of influence. He continued training them. And in Luke 10, he said this, he said, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Jesus promised that there are plenty of people in your life who are ready to follow him, but the problem is that there are too few workers. You know, for each and every person in this room, the Lord has placed us in a unique place in our neighborhood, in our workplace, in our school, on our team, uh, that we have people around us that we can reach that no one else can reach. That we have people around us that will never set foot in a church building unless someone invests in them first. Jesus says the harvest is plentiful, but there's a problem. The problem is there are too few workers. And the good news is that we can be part of that solution. So what's the best way to begin? Well, it's not to go overseas and become a missionary, at least not for most of us. If the Lord calls you to do that, you should do that. But for most of us, it's not gonna be that. It's not to quit your job and become a pastor unless the Lord calls you to. But for most of us, it's not going to be that. The best way is to start right where you are. With the people around you that are not Christians that desperately need to know the saving grace of Jesus. You have one or two people in your neighborhood, in your workplace, in your school who are struggling with their faith. They may look to you as an example. Like you might be the only Christian someone knows. And you have a unique opportunity to to invest your life in them. You've got somebody on your team, in your class, or right next to you here today who you could invest some of your time and your life in, multiply a few. If you're at this step on the pathway, I want to give you a couple of next steps. Number one is to pray. Pray for the people the Lord has shown you. Like if you hear that and you've got a picture of someone in your mind, if you've got a name that popped into your mind, start praying for them. Start praying that he would give you an opportunity to share your story. Uh, that he would give you a window to see what's going on in their life. If you don't have anybody, pray for who the Lord would send your way. Like, who are my few? Ask that question every day. Lord, who are my few? Who are the people I should be investing my life into? And then the second step is to attend our multiply group. I'm going to start leading a multiply group here on, uh, at our Noblesville campus on Tuesday evenings beginning January 31st. Um, multiplies an eight-week experience that will uh, equip you with the tools you need to make disciples who make disciples. And so if you're here and you're thinking, man, I would love to multiply a few. I'd love to invest in some people. I have no idea how to do that. Or it scares me to death. Hey, come let me teach you. Not because I'm really great at it, but because uh, I've gone through it enough that I think I can uh, help give you what the Lord has given me to show you how you can have an influence. You can multiply a few where you are. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus makes this statement to his followers. He says, you are the light of the world. 
A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So we, we gather together to be encouraged, equipped to worship together, and then we're sent out to be that light of the world. As we do that, um, let's just keep praying. We're gonna, we're gonna close this service with a song, but before we do that, we're gonna pray together. And, and as we're praying, there's a couple of challenges for you. Uh, one, what's the one step? Did you see a step in there that you can take? Let's, let's pray about that now. What's the one step? And two, uh, who are your few? And, and how is the Lord gonna open that door for you to reach them? All right, let's, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I'm, I'm so thankful first that you sent Jesus to be our savior, to be our Lord, to redeem us from our sin, to take away the sin of the world and to take that burden on his shoulders and to nail it to a cross. I'm thankful that we have that story, that we have that promise of eternal life in heaven because of Jesus. God, we want other people to know about that. We want other people to hear that story, not so that we can fill up the chairs in this auditorium, but so that we can fill up heaven. We want heaven to be populated with people who got to know Jesus because we were faithful to the call that you gave us. And so Lord, for every person in this room right now, no matter where they are, I just pray for that next step, that they would uh, take it with great bold, maybe whether it's something as simple as heading to intro after this service or maybe signing up to join a group full of people that they have no idea who they are. They're just names on a page to them. Or if it's walking across the street to talk to their neighbor or going to the next classroom to talk to their friend, the other teacher or the other student. Lord, if it's knocking on the office door of somebody that just desperately needs to hear of your goodness and grace, give us great boldness. And Lord, I pray for those of us in this room who know we should be making disciples. We should be investing in a few, but we don't know who they are. Would you show us, would you even now, even while we're singing this last song, would you bring a name into our mind? Would you show us a picture in our head? Would you help us to be that light to the world that people would see uh, what you're doing in our lives and say, I want some of that. I want that to be me. And God, when that happens and when people come to a saving faith in Jesus, uh, you know that we will give you all the praise and all the glory because it didn't come from us, it came from you. We praise you and we love you in Jesus' name, amen.